text reads like this. Jesus is speaking when he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, your disciples drew near to you there in that upper room and were assured of your great love for them. And Lord, as we come and gather now around your word, as we hear your voice spoken to us in these words, we pray that we too would be assured of your great love for us. And that in being assured, Lord, we would be a people rejoicing in all that is ours, in your love for us. Lord, move us, we pray, from formality into reality. And from a religion into a true and a living relationship with you. And that we would know you. And that we would know your friendship with us. And that, Lord, we would be made your own and conform to your likeness through the preaching of your word. And we ask all of these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. Gloria and I recently saw the post office versus Mr. Bates. If you've been living under a rock in uh, recent times. It's the TV drama uh, about the, the nightmare that almost 1,000 sub-postmasters experienced uh, between 1999 and 2015. The, the post office rolled out bookkeeping software that was full of bugs and half-finished products or whatever that basically created all of these false discrepancies. And these uh, sub-postmasters were told that they had to make up the shortfalls which led to the financial ruin of over 900 people throughout the nation. Some of them had to uh, remortgage their homes, others had to sell their homes, some went through bankruptcy. And some went through uh, uh, to, to jail. And when these people called customer service uh, to gain some kind of 
help us to, uh, in their predicament, they were, they were told, you are the only one who is experiencing this problem. Uh, in, in other words, you are all by yourself, and this is your responsibility. None of us can quite imagine, can we, the stress that those people experienced, and we can rejoice uh, that justice is nearer to them now than it was uh, those years ago. But there are few things worse than feeling alone. Isn't that true? You are all by yourself and you are responsible. There are few things worse than feeling alone, than feeling isolated in a problem that you can't control and that you cannot solve. Well, last Sunday night, we we began a mini-series, didn't we, called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And we're basing it off Proverbs 18, verse 24, that says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A brother. And as we continue that series tonight and we come to John chapter 15, verses 13 to 15, we're going to see that Jesus befriended us in that number one, he died for us, and that number two, he speaks to us. But before we, before we get there, before we come to that passage, I just want to take a moment to remind us of the thinking behind this series for a moment. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us that we were made as human beings to be fully known and fully loved. Adam and Eve in the garden, they were naked and they were unashamed. They were fully known and they were fully loved by one another, but they were also fully known and fully uh, loved by God. God had, had knit their souls together. He had formed, he had fashioned them from the inside out, fully known by him, fully loved by him. But what had been lost by sin at the fall of man has now been reclaimed in and through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we can be once more fully known and fully loved by God all over again. It's all found in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And so one of the aims of this very short mini-series, and by the way, this might be the last one. That's how mini this series is. Uh, by, By this redemptive love of Christ, we can be brought back into this friendship that we were designed to know. And the hope in this, in these two or maybe three messages is for us to be thrilled all over again at the reality of what is ours as friends of God, fully known, fully loved by God in and through our divine friend, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as we come to John chapter 15, then we parachute into the upper room discourse. And actually, when you, when you stand back and you take the, the upper room discourse as a whole, what you see is that something amazing of Jesus' friendship with the disciples is on full display here in the upper room. What I mean by that is this. Jesus is less than 24 hours away from the cross 
He's, tw- he's less than 24 hours away from having nine-inch nails pounded through his hands and his feet. He's less than 24 hours away from being baptized in the fire of the wrath and fury and judgment of God. And what is he doing? He's assuring his disciples. He is reassuring his disciples. He's teaching them. He's strengthening them. He is fortifying them. And I want you to think about that for a moment. If you knew that you had less than 24 hours before a centurion would pin you to a Roman cross, if you knew that you had less than 24 hours before you face the infinite wrath of God against the evil of sin, I wonder what would you be doing If you weren't running, my guess is you'd be asking your friends to strengthen you. You'd be asking your friends to assure you. But not Jesus. No, Jesus was there in the upper room teaching them and strengthening them and reassuring them and and drawing near to them. He knew the distress they would feel when the, the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would be scattered. What a friend they had in Jesus. And Jesus befriends them, doesn't he, by reminding them that he would die for them and that he had spoken to them. So I want us to see first that he died for us. This is how Jesus befriended us. Number one, he died for us. Look at verse 13 of John 15 again. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Please let me read those words again. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And here is a fact. Here is a a fact that transcends time and cultures and nations and races and languages. A fact that says that sacrifice is the proof of love. And that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the love. Talk is cheap and fair weather friends abound. But here is love vast as the ocean. Loving kindness as the flood. When the prince of life, our ransom, shed for us his precious love. Here is a love that cannot be bettered. A love that cannot be improved upon because Jesus' sacrifice was of infinite worth. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus says, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And consider with me for a moment, church, the life that was laid down for his friends. This was the only life, this was the the one life that could ever be truly labeled perfect. Adam had been perfect, but Adam had plunged himself and all of his posterity into the sewage of sin. But not Jesus, the second Adam, born of the Virgin Mary, had neither trace nor stain of sin, Ever. He could ask his accusers, which one of you convicts me of sin? And his thoughts were God's thoughts. 
And his ways were God's ways. And his words were God's words. And his voice was God's voice. And his deeds were God's deeds. His being was God's very being. Which means the men and the women and the little boys and the little girls who peered into the eyes of Jesus. Peered into the soul of God himself. Here was no mere teacher. Here was no mere miracle worker. Here was no mere example. No, here was God's. And that was the life that was laid down for us on the cross of Calvary. His was the back that was plowed by Rome's dreaded scourge. And his was the blood that poured from every wound and weakened him to the point that he was unable to carry his own cross. And his was the brow that was crowned with thorns until the, dr- the blood dripped from his face. And his were the hands and the feet that were pinned to the cruel Roman cross. His were the lips that drank the flaming cup of the wrath of God and extinguished his life there on the cross of Calvary. That was the life that was laid down for his friends. And therefore, Christ's love was the greatest love of all because Christ's sacrifice was unlike any other sacrifice ever made. It was a tremendous joy to attend the, uh, the FIEC Leaders Conference last year, toward the end of last year, and uh, there was one of the preachers that used this gripping and moving illustration about the cross, and it was all to do with the uh, French policeman, Lieutenant Arnaud Beltran. I, remember if you, I wonder if you remember this. Uh, there was a terrorist that had stolen a car, he killed one of the passengers, opened fire, on a a group of policemen. He'd driven to a supermarket and he began to take hostages. And the police were able to get some of the the hostages out. But then a a terrorist grabbed grabbed a woman and he he began to use this woman as as a human shield. And it was in that very moment that this lieutenant, Arno Beltran, shouted to this terrorist, I'll swap places with her. And the exchange was made and later on his brother said uh, to the news cameras that he must have known that in that moment he did not stand a chance. And, and he didn't. He was, he was shot and he was killed that very day and yet that woman left with her life. What a hero. And we ourselves can say, can't we, what a friend we have in Jesus because greater love has no man than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. And so listen, friends, before you go into another work week tomorrow or before you uh, go into just another ordinary week from tomorrow onwards, you remember that you have a heavenly friend who loves you more than you could even begin to imagine. And eternity will not be long enough for you to fully comprehend it. And since that's true, let me challenge you to keep your heart close to this heavenly friend. How, how could we? Why would we? How, how dare we take his friendship for granted when we think of what it cost him to befriend us? How could we grieve him? 
How could we presume upon the riches of his grace? How could we knowingly offend him when we think what is available to us in the friendship that he bought for us at the cross? Maybe some of us are content with so little friendship with Jesus because we are rich. And our comforts have softened our bodies and hardened our hearts. But friend, listen to me. What is your money going to do for you when you're in barbara shoes? What's your money going to do for you when you think that in days, in weeks, you are going to be dying and standing before your heavenly friend whose whose friendship you barely knew in the world? Think of the regret. Think of the anxiety. Think of the shame in that moment. But since you're not in Barbara's shoes just yet, there is still time for you to walk with this heavenly friend and to befriend the one who died to befriend you. Friend, remember, if you draw near to him, then he will draw near to you. So endeavor to draw near to him this week so that when you do close your eyes in death and you open your eyes in glory, Jesus won't be a stranger to you but instead will be the friends that you've walked with all your life long, all the way to glory. And surely that is better, isn't it, than a, than a, a fat wallet and an early retirement friendship with the one who died to befriend you? Perhaps still others of us are still lost And don't know this friendship with Jesus at all. Have never experienced even a a millisecond of, of friendship with Jesus. But perhaps in this moment you're waking up to the realization that actually this friendship with Jesus is what you need more than anything else in the world. I read last year about a little boy who got himself lost in London. I think this took place about over a hundred years ago. And he, he walked up to a stranger on the streets of London and it was everything he could do to, to keep his tears back. And he pulled this uh, stranger's sleeve and he asked, can you, can you help me? I'm lost. I've wandered from my mom and dad and I don't know where to go. And eventually he said to this stranger, if you can get me to the cross, then I'll know my way home from there. And what he was referring to was the golden cross on the top of St. Paul's Cathedral. If I can get to the cross, if I can see that cross, then I'll know my way home from there. And there's something so powerful in that, isn't there? If we can only get to the cross, if we can only survey the, the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died to befriend sinners, we'll know our way home from there. We'll know the path to glory because it is a straight line from Calvary to glory above. And if you're here tonight and you're, you're lost, get yourself to the cross and you'll be found. And the friendship of Jesus Christ will be known by you all the way to heaven. And others of you have been unaware that this this friendship with Jesus is actually available to you. You thought that Christianity boiled down to just sort of doing religious stuff, a bit of religious observance on the weekend, just belting out a few hymns just for the, the sake of it, adding this religious flavor to your life. And you had no idea that you can actually know Jesus for yourself. 
as a friend of Jesus Christ where he knows you and you know him and even if there was no one else living in the world, you would never need fear being alone because you're friends with him, this heavenly friend. And comparing religious observance to that kind of a friendship is like comparing a receipt or a shopping list to a feast that is spread before you. It's all the difference in the world. And that friendship with Jesus can be yours by grace through faith in the one who died to make his enemies his friends. So how did Jesus befriend us? Well, number one, he died for us. But then number two, he speaks to us. Just look at verse 15 again. Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not, not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. So interesting. There's only uh, two men in the Old Testament who are called friends of God. Uh, the first is Abraham. And you remember when King Jehoshaphat prayed in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friends? And then in Isaiah 41 verse 8, God says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. And then the second man was was Moses, but not directly, only by inference. Exodus 33 verse 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friends. But here in John 15, Jesus called his disciples friends. All of them. And why? Well, because whereas the master does not know what his servants are doing... Jesus had revealed the mind and heart of God to his disciples. Access had been granted to the mind and the heart of God to the disciples. And what that means by inference is that we can know ourselves as the friends of God too. Why? Well, because all that was made known to the disciples of the heart and mind of God has been preserved for us and passed down for us in the scriptures. You remember what Jesus promised the disciples in John 14, 25 and 26? These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And the disciples pen those things, they wrote them down, they passed them on to us, and the result now is that the heart and mind of God that was made known to the disciples has now been made known to us, and therefore we too, along with Abraham, along with Moses, along with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, the, and all of the disciples in the early church are now friends of God too. This is how friendship works today, isn't it? You find that you get along with someone, but then you draw closer to them and your friendship develops with them. The more they open their heart to you, the more they open their mind to, the, to you, the more they share their life with you. 
And since the disciples, since the apostles have, have recorded the opening of the mind and the heart of God to us, we are now God's friends. Because we can plunge ourselves in to the infinite mind of God and the infinite heart of God in the scriptures. All that he wants us to know of himself has been revealed to us there. And therefore our friendship with God will grow and develop and expand and mature the more we explore his heart and mind in the word. Isn't that so encouraging? You don't need to pay over a hundred pounds to go to some massive conference somewhere where the music sends emotional shockwaves through your system. You don't need a a prophetic dream. You don't need a, a prophetic word. You can just throw yourself into the mind and heart of God in the word and all that is open to you there will cause you to know yourself as the very friend of God in Christ Jesus. I opened this series, didn't I, last Sunday night by talking to us about the the fact that we live in the most connected and the most lonely age in, in human history. And the fact that this study was recently conducted across 127 countries and 24% of the world <laughs> claims to be between fairly and very lonely. And, and at this point, the, the evidence is really undeniable that social media has paid an, played an enormous part in that. Because when your friends are avatars or distortions of real people, you don't actually know anyone. And all you can be is lonely. And last Wednesday, Mark Zuckerberg, the the owner of Meta that owns Facebook and Instagram and all these other social media platforms, stared a load of parents in the eye who were holding pictures of their children before him who had taken their lives on account of bullying online and he had to apologize to them all. But you know, even even the best Facebook friend, even the best Instagram follower falls far short of the real thing. Well, how much more then, how much more friendship is available to us to think that the real mind of God and the real heart of God is made available to us to explore in and through the scriptures and all that the apostles preserved for us. So our friendship with Jesus now is every bit as real as it was to the early church and the apostles back then. So I want to end uh, friends, with an, uh, an, an encouragement for us and then also an exhortation for us as well. And the encouragement for us is this. There is more friendship with God to experience because there is more of God to know. It is altogether impossible to exhaust the heart and the mind of God You will never get to the bottom of God's infinite mind and God's infinite heart to you. And therefore, since there is more of God to know, there is more friendship with God to experience. And it is so important for me to to impress this upon you because some of you have been walking with God for longer than I've been alive. But when we get to heaven... And fall at the feet of Jesus Christ, we will realize how little of God we actually knew. Isn't that an amazing thought? How little of God we actually knew. I heard an interview recently with a man who's 
memorized over 40 books of the Bible. And I'll just say that's more than me. And that man has no more exhausted the mind of God than your shower this morning exhausted the Atlantic Ocean. There's more to know. There's more to experience. And therefore, friends, the encouragement is there is always more friendship with God to know because there is, all, there is always more of God to understand. And so press on to know him. And then the exhortation for us tonight is this. Make friendship with God the top priority of your life. Other priorities may come and go, but all priorities fall far short of this knowing God. Knowing God. Maybe you've, you've seen that uh, visual aid or that anecdote that that university professor used on his students. He held up a pint glass and he put in this pint glass four rocks. And then he put the pint glass on a table in front of him and he poured sand into it. And he said to his students that if he had poured the sand in first all the way to the top, then the rocks wouldn't have been able to fit in at all. And his point was this, build your life around the big stuff. Let the little stuff wrap itself around the main priorities of your life. And surely one of the, the rocks of our lives, the rocks in the glass of our lives, is knowing God. Knowing God privately as we meet with him for, for devotions and prayer, but then also knowing God corporately as we, as we gather together as the church. On Tuesday and Sunday morning and Sunday night, ask yourself, friend, why do we bother to do that? Is it just to get a, a fix of some sort of emotional high? No, it is for us to know God together. And if we allow the, the small priorities of our lives to, to fill the glass of our lives, then we'll have no room for knowing God personally and corporately together. So make knowing God individually and corporately with your church family a top priority. If Jesus died to make us his friends, and if Jesus op has opened the heart and mind of God to us in the word, it cannot be any other way. And if this isn't your top priority, ask yourself, friend, do you really know God as your friend? Do you know him? Too much is on offer for this to become the lowest priority of our lives. So great is his friendship, it must be the top priority of our lives before we see him face to face and fall at his feet and crown him Lord of all. Amen.